What's up, everyone? This is Anthony Pompliano. Most of you know me as Pomp. You're listening to Off the Chain, simply the best podcast in crypto. Let's kick this thing off. CZ is the founder of Binance, the largest cryptocurrency exchange in the world by volume. In this conversation, we discussed how COVID-19 is impacting Binance, why CZ is paying $400 million for coin market cap, what trends Binance is seeing in non-US countries, and why CZ wants to potentially turn Binance into a decentralized autonomous organization. I really enjoyed this conversation, and CZ was fantastic as always. Before we get into this episode, though, I want to talk about the two sponsors. The first is TaxBit. TaxBit automates your cryptocurrency taxes, enabling you to effortlessly track, calculate, and report your transactions. They make it super simple. You can easily connect your exchanges to securely sync your transactions and run them through TaxBit's tax engine. Generate your completed tax forms with a single click. The company was founded by tax attorneys and CPAs. TaxBit is the most trusted cryptocurrency tax solution. So you can get 10% off your tax plan today with a free trial by going to taxbit.com slash invite slash pomp. Again, taxbit.com slash invite slash pomp. So they've got live support with experts whenever you need it. They're experts on hand who have experience facilitating thousands of crypto tax filings and IRS crypto tax audits. TaxBit is where crypto taxes get done simply. So head on over taxbit.com slash invite slash pomp. Now, the second sponsor is a new one, Blockset. If you're building in the blockchain space, then I want everyone to know about Blockset. Their goal is to enable the next wave of developers and business leaders to build amazing applications. Blockset is built by BRD, or Bread, the first wallet in the App Store from 2014 and one of the largest in the space today. They've taken the architecture and knowledge they've gained over the past six years to create Blockset, a robust, reliable, and strategic B2B offering for developers and enterprises. So thanks to Blockset, we can all build with crypto assets at light speed using their unified API that has data from all the major chains. It acts as a hosted blockchain infrastructure, and it ultimately enables high-quality apps to be built at a fraction of the cost in a fraction of the time. So head on over to Blockset.com to see just how simple it is. Again, Blockset.com. You can sign up for a free account today at Blockset.com. All right, let's get into this episode with CZ. Anthony Pompliano is a partner at Morgan Creek Digital. All opinions expressed by Pomp or his guests on this podcast are solely their opinions and do not reflect the opinions of Morgan Creek Digital or Morgan Creek Capital Management. You should not treat any opinion expressed by Pomp as a specific inducement to make a particular investment or follow a particular strategy, but only as an expression of his opinion. This podcast is for informational purposes only. All right, guys, bang, bang. I've got the man himself, CZ, here. Uh, Thanks so much for doing this. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Uh, let's start right off. Uh, how's your back doing? I know you had my the back surgery. Yeah, my back's doing quite all right now. Um, yeah, uh, after the surgery, I, f- I feel really good. The doctor says there's a little, a little minor complication, but I don't feel it. And uh, I'm doing physical therapy exercises and I can walk and sit, uh, which before was difficult for me. Sitting was really hard for me. So now uh, I can sit. Uh, I don't sit for very long, but I can stand. I can. So uh, I, I feel pretty good, actually. Uh, but it's only been two months since the surgery. So I'm still taking it quite lightly. I'm still recovering, et cetera. So I'm just doing regular, a smaller, uh, lighter exercises just for mostly physical therapy type of exercises, trying to recover. Yeah. All right, we got to make sure that you're healthy because uh, Binance <laughs> is counting on you along with most of crypto. <laughs> um, and then let's just jump in. Maybe you can give us a quick update on uh, on Binance itself. I don't, I don't know if you wanted to share kind of any uh, latest metrics or anything, but just how, how are things going since last time we talked? Uh, so Binance is, um, yeah, so especially recently, we're, the numbers we're seeing are just phenomenal. Uh, so uh, we're seeing on, in general roughly about 5x more volumes than before, like since the sort of the coronavirus took over. So uh, business-wise, the, the platform is like doing really well. Um, uh, so uh, both fu- futures and now they also, even, even in this um, uh, environment, uh, our market share has been gaining. So futures is, Binance Futures is now the very clearly number one futures platform in the last couple of weeks. Um, so uh, business is going really well for us. Um, we know there's a lot of, uh, uh, so even in other exchanges that we hear, um, there's, I think they're, they're seeing more traffic. I think it could be due to a number of reasons. It could be people just bored at home, nothing to do. So all the online businesses are doing well. 
Um, and then it could also be that the, uh, you know, the overall uh, microeconomic issues uh, with uh, quantitative easing, people moving slowly back into crypto. So it could be an, an, any number of those reasons. And um, yeah, uh, but overall, business is doing well. Awesome. It, it feels a lot like uh, when you get volatility in the traditional markets, you also see the volatility in crypto. And then that volatility leads to trading um, or kind of just interest in doing something. Like people don't like to sit there when all the prices are moving and feel like they're not doing anything, uh, which is obviously probably pretty good for the business as well. Yeah. I mean, volatility is generally good for, uh, for, for the exchange business. So um, uh, for, for exchanges, the worst, the worst is when the market is flat. So when it's flat, there's no, no one's trading. Uh, when it's a volatility, there's, there's always high volumes. Um, but usually when it's flat at a low price, it's not as good as when it's flat at a high price. So when, it's, when the prices are high, it's always good for the exchanges. So, we, we, uh, so we, we, uh, for, for our business, we really want to like, uh, see the price being high. Uh, high volatility is okay, um, but uh, uh, generally speaking, the higher the price, the better. For sure. And then how has uh, COVID-19 kind of impacted? I know you guys had, uh, last time we talked, 400, 500 employees, kind of 40 different countries and pretty distributed already. But have you seen yeah. any impact from uh, the virus itself on the uh, business? So again, I think on this point, I think if anything, it was positive for Binance uh, because we're quite used to, so we have been working remotely uh, pretty much all, uh, throughout the last two years. And we're quite used to it. And a lot of uh, our internal conversations is like, oh, people call this quarantine. So, so, uh, so, so, so I think, and also it kind of, uh, to be honest, I think it slowed down a few of our competitors. So some of our competitors who had more centralized offices, um, they had more uh, to adjust. Uh, sending people home, uh, people may or may not have the right equipment. Um, they may, their, their team structures and uh, daily routines may or may not be structured to facilitate um, uh, just working remotely, right? So like, um, uh, working remotely does require a little bit of a different difference in mentality. Um, a lot of conference calls, a lot of Zoom, a lot of Google Meets, a lot of other things. So, um, so I think for us, we are quite used to it. Um, and also we've seen, um, uh, we've seen a, a lot more flood in uh, job applications. So people are really applying for jobs more. Uh, so now we're hiring very aggressively, which was actually difficult. So sort of towards uh, second half of last year, uh, we will actually try to compete with other organizations, the internet companies, et cetera. So, but now we're actually seeing a lot more candidates that's available in the market. So overall things are actually, things are actually all right. I think given that we're the online remote working type of business, uh, we're quite, um, the coronavirus did not impact us as negatively as we would, ex we would have expected. But we do, we do understand there's a lot of other people who are feeling like a lot of hardship out there and we want to be able to help. So that's why we're kind of doing a lot of charity work, et cetera. Yeah, it, it's one of these things where, uh, as we've talked to, you know, our portfolio of 100 plus companies, what we keep saying to them is, look, there's two ways to think about what's happening right now. One, you've got to have the defensive mindset to make sure your balance sheet strong enough to kind of survive through um, whatever, you know, this ends up being from an economic standpoint. But two is, if you're in a good position, you can actually be hyper aggressive and actually steal a lot of market share. And it sounds like that's kind of the approach you're taking here is you're in a good position, you've got uh, a business that's actually benefiting from a lot of the volatility and, and uh, the virus stuff. And so rather than just be uh, defensive the whole time, you can actually get aggressive and uh, try to build out and scale and, and really gain market share right now. Yeah, I, 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 I absolutely think that way. So for, for us, I think um, uh, we had a strong balance sheet before. Uh, we have very strong revenue, strong profits. Uh, we were not relying on burning money before. So uh, we were growing, uh, like before our limitation factor was actually just our speed to hire good people, right? So just talking, like getting all the candidates in, talking with them, interviewing them, and then um, agree on a deal, uh, uh, compensation, et cetera. So right now um, that problem is not, uh, uh, is eased up a lot and we're seeing business demand on the platform growing. And uh, so, we're, so I think we're kind of unique in that way where there's a strong balance sheet uh, supporting the business. And that's, this is why we are very aggressive on both hiring and also looking at acquisitions, et cetera. So we're, we're, we're just progressing on, uh, on both fronts. Yeah. Speaking of hiring, um, I know a lot of executives take different approaches to it. Some want to be really involved and some basically hire people that they trust and, and they kind of take it. What's your approach to the hiring process and how involved are you? Uh, on the hiring process, um, on the senior hires, I am involved. So um, I like to interview the senior hires before um, well, I kind of do the last, uh, depending on if they're, 
if they're reporting to me directly, then I do a very in-depth interview. If they're reporting to one somebody who's reporting to me, then uh, um, I have a more uh, casual chat. But um, I think one of my strengths is actually a pretty, I'm, I'm a pretty good uh, judge of character. Um, so I, I talk to them for a few minutes and then I try to figure out, hey, this guy passionate about crypto, is this guy a, a legit, uh, a, a genuine character? Um, does he know his stuff? Um, so on the technical side, as for, for, for tech, like programming technology interviews, I'm pretty good. Like I can ask a couple of simple questions and, and get a very good feel of where the guy is. For some other roles, I'm less, because th those, those other roles are not my background. So I'm less uh, capable of uh, judging the uh, skill sets that accurately. Uh, but then I just rely that on, on the team uh, for, uh, I rely on the team for that. But I do talk with the candidate to just get a feel of the personality match, culture match, et cetera. So, um, so I think I have a pretty good feel for uh, just interacting with people, even though um, I may, not, may or may not know their technical expertise. So I do, I do get involved in the senior hires. But we're hiring so many people that uh, there's a lot of guys I'm not mad. I don't even know their name. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I guess this then leads to like, there's so much going on, right? And I think one of kind of the resounding messages I hear from CEOs right now is, hey, we've got our just normal business operations that we've got to worry about, make sure our business is strong. Uh, and then you layer in the virus stuff um, and there's kind of this health crisis. So I want to make sure that my team's healthy, their families are healthy, et cetera. But that health crisis, the response globally is now creating this economic crisis, right? Where you see the macro economy kind of slowing down. Maybe uh, just share your thoughts on what you're seeing uh, from the macro economy. Are you worried about anything there and kind of how you're thinking through uh, more of kind of the response to the virus more so than just the virus itself? Sure. I think there's a, uh, yeah, so that's a pretty, so there's, there's a lot of aspects to it. I think um, for the, uh, for the Binance team, we do, we have, I've asked the Binance team to work from home way early. Like, so mm -hmm. when uh, this thing's kind of brewing in, in China, um, I just told everyone, so look, just, just work from home. Um, and um, so I think that was like end of January, early February. I just said, look, just work from home. Uh, and I also asked our, um, so, uh, and our team's pretty used to it. Our team's like, they sometimes con congregate in a coffee shop or stuff like that when they're in the same city. But it's just said, let's, let, uh, let's just be more careful about it. And, um, um, and we also make sure our internal employee uh, or the team members, what we call, we, we, we don't really use the word employees that much. So I also uh, make sure that uh, we, we have like, we, we have supplies uh, uh, that, that we secured through um, various channels and we make sure most of our uh, team members do have good supplies. Even our members right now in Europe, we have, sh we have shipped their parents supplies um, like uh, masks where they couldn't get them right now. So we, we, uh, so we, we took a lot of precaution to uh, ensure safety of our employees. And we all encourage them to work from home. Just don't go out that often. Um, and they typically work from home anyway, so they're quite like they're quite they're very used to it. Um, and uh, uh, at a higher level, uh, well, at a bigger scale, um, in different countries in the world, I think, I think this thing's gonna last multiple months. Um, uh, it, uh, I think it's gonna last. Uh, I think coming summer, this uh, virus may subs uh, subside, but I think we gotta be very careful. If you look at past pandemics, there's a there's very often a second wave uh, come come autumn, and. Um, I think right now we just uh, we're witnessing uh, this is like a leadership test for a lot of countries, right? So countries were well organized. Uh, uh, even for like if you look at China, even though it happened earlier there, but they actually had a. I think the numbers may be too low. Uh, I, I'm, like I, the numbers may or may not be accurate, but the situ situation is they do have it under control. Uh, most uh, most guys are returning to normal. Uh, the work is returning to normal. Um, other countries are still fighting it and other countries are still losing the battle with it, or to be honest, like, especially like uh, America. I think the numbers, the numbers, the numbers um, say the results, are, the results are there. So I think the, um, we're still at the ramp up stage where we haven't, we haven't seen the plateau. So um, uh, that's very worrying. And I think that would definitely have an economic effect. I think uh, back in February, March, people uh, in, uh, in some countries or including the United States, some people are saying, Oh no! This thing just happening, impacting China. Nothing's going to impact the U.S. Uh, I think we live in one global economy. Uh, there's no escape. Uh, so I think we're seeing that playing out. Um, I think it's going to be multiple months. It's going to have very severe impact on uh, uh, on the economy, on jobs, etc. Um, so I think we've got to prepare this for for the long run. And um, um, afterwards, I, th I also think even like after a few months after this passes, we're going to see a new economy. Uh, so things are going to be different. 
um, people are, people will be the social norms are going to be different. Um, so um, I don't know how different it will be, but I think in the back of people's heads, uh, people will. Uh, I think even come autumn or, uh, um, or or the next winter, people will be very cautious about this thing. Uh, depending, it depends on whether we uh, uh, we discover a vaccine or not. Um, so all of those things play play a factor. But uh, most countries are banning travel. Uh, I think travel is gone for the next I don't know half a year or so uh, to a large extent. Um, so travel within the country may be allowed, but I think people are very cautious about it uh, even today. So. Um, there's a lot of uh, restaurants are being hit really hard. Movies, are, uh, uh, theaters are being hit really hard. So I think a lot of businesses will change. Uh, but also in this uh, turbulent environment, there's a lot more opportunities, right? So uh, when when one business, unfortunately, when one business goes down, um, other businesses thrive. So I think um, online businesses will do well. Uh, international uh, business, the virtual uh, aspect of the cryptocurrencies. Uh, actually helps a lot. I think cryptocurrency is going to see a fairly strong boost, to be honest, uh, combined with like quantitative easing, depression, like the countries have no other uh, option but to print a lot of money right now. Um, and that's going to, uh, those money right now is not free flowing into the economy, but once they start flowing, um, uh, cost of goods, uh, most prices are going to go up very dramatically. And I think cryptocurrency will go up uh, much more, like unproportionately higher. So, um, um, yeah, so I think all of those things are going to happen. And um, uh, I think people in the crypto industry are generally in a very good spot. Um, so I think we just got to, uh, I think we want to we work really hard. Uh, I think it's especially important to work really hard during this economic turbulent times because there are new opportunities. And the guys who can grab these new opportunities are much, there's much more new opportunities, opportunities right now than, than there were before. Um, I also think most likely more banks and more financial institutions are going to look at cryptocurrency. They're more willing to work with uh, cryptocurrency exchanges, uh, payment services, et cetera. So I think there's a lot of opportunity. Um, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be tough. But, the, you know, when, when, when the going gets tough, the tough gets going. Yeah, it, it, it's really interesting because uh, on the economic side, one of the things that people I think are missing is just like the economy is not going to recover until people are allowed to leave their home. Right. I mean, it's just what are you going to do from your house? You basically are going to uh, pretty much you can do things in crypto. Maybe you'll buy some things online, but most of your economic activity is going to go to zero. And so you just can't get an economy back if everyone's sitting at home, which I think is uh, kind of a missing point because there's a lot of people who say, oh, this is a two week thing. And it's like, I don't think that this is two weeks. <laughs> no, it's not two weeks. So in the ideal world, if the world, if the world is really, really well organized and we say, oh, look, let's agree to stay home. Everyone stays home for two weeks um, and whoever has symptoms go to the hospital, whoever doesn't, then are done. But yes, but in the ideal world, yes, but humans are not organized that way. Um, and we have very, we're seeing very poor leadership across different countries, right? So if everybody started lockdown at the end of January for three weeks or four weeks, we're done. Uh, and very, very, very few number of people will get sick, but um, people don't act that way. So, yeah. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, let's switch gears. You, uh, you recently announced a, a pretty big purchase. While everyone else is uh, running around and, uh, and, and worried about surviving, you guys um, announced that you're uh, purchasing coin market cap. Uh, maybe just talk a little bit about kind of how that deal came together, how you originally met them, uh, and then kind of what the logic behind the acquisition is. Sure. Um, so I've known Brandon. So I've used Coin Market Cap for like I don't know ever like from 2013, 14 when they started. Uh, and back then there was like a number of other uh, sort of data aggregators, but they Coin Market Cap just grew grown to be the most popular one uh, by far. So and um, <clears throat> um, I uh, so when we st after we started the coin, uh, so it was like basically about two years ago. I was just sort of paying Brandon. Um, just sort of uh, uh, very very occasionally, not frequently. Just sort of, hey, how, how are you doing? Uh, what are your plans, etc. So I've been I've been paying him uh, over time with with a sort of uh, uh, interest of saying potentially uh, working together more, um, uh, a closer partnership or potentially in the acquisition. But I didn't sort of mention it in that terms. I was just sort of, hey, look, uh, uh, I was just trying to pay, uh, uh, understand what his mental mentalities are. And uh, it was really towards the end of last year, like a few months ago, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we, uh, we met again and we kind of discussed uh, and I, we both felt there was interest. And so we, uh, we talked, we, like, I think we met over, we met twice and we sort of, sort of discussed the numbers and we came to a term pretty, pretty quickly. 
and um, uh, it was a very simple. It was a very simple deal. Uh, so it's like there's no complicated uh, stuff going on, and um, uh, and then from there we we're just like getting lawyers to execute the deal, which took a while. Uh, but uh, and uh, none of us went back like to re none of us thought about to renegotiate the terms of the deal. Uh, even in this economic uh, turbulent times, I think um, like for me, I'm looking at this thing at a very very long term play. It's not like okay. How much is it worth today, or tomorrow, or the day, the day before? Uh, so we don't think in that kind of terms. Whereas I think, look, if we um, uh, right now, it's what, I think it's one of the most valuable as uh, platforms in the industry, and um, I think we, you'll grow another 10x, 100x. Um, so uh, I, also, I think the higher value for that is not to make it just servicebinance.com the exchange. Uh, I think it should continue to grow the uh, uh, in its original purpose in uh, providing data access for crypto and be, be the landing page of crypto, uh, have information on there. Um, so I think uh, which, uh, CoinMarketCap will continue to grow in that way. And um, um, I actually think that they have not been expanding super aggressively um, because it's a small team. Um, they've been growing organically, they're selling ads, et cetera. I'm like, look, uh, by working with Binance, uh, we, we, we acquire it and we also, have, we also have more room to fund it. So I think we just want to continue to fund the growth of it. Um, that's, naturally a lot of synergies with binance.com but uh, we're not there's also naturally a lot of synergies with every other exchange out there um so coin market cap will continue to maintain neutrality and independence and uh, any other exchange who wants to continue to work with them i think most of them definitely will because they are the, by far the largest single referral for any exchange so um, um i think and they will continue to work with other exchanges um so uh that's fine so uh that's kind of how the deal was went together it's actually pretty simple got it in in terms of um kind of when you talk about this 10x or 100x expansion like what is your uh vision at least of kind of that path like how do you actually 10x that is that let's take the binance playbook of kind of super aggressive growth and just sensitive of our folks over and help them do that or is there something else that's a little bit more complex uh, in, in how you do it. Sure, I, think, I actually think uh, it's actually something much more simpler. Um, I think we just got to wait for the market <laughs> to grow. So um, I think basically uh, in the, like if the market, if the, if the entire industry doesn't grow, uh, then it's unlikely for coin market cap to go 10x or even for Binance to go 10x. I think like look, coin market cap is by far the largest data aggregator or um, an, um, data provider site. And Binance.com is by is one of the largest exchanges, and uh, both in futures, spot, margin. So, um, so I think, uh, but like, um, even if we kill all the other uh, industry players, we're not gonna go. We're not gonna go another. I don't know, ten x or net, definitely not a hundred x. So, um, I think the the goal is definitely to um, yeah. We we're by like we're, we're definitely over like ten percent market share in in, mo in a lot of places. So we 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 don't have room to grow ten x, even if we kill everybody in the states. So I think the goal is to uh, is to make the industry bigger, and um, and to make the industry bigger, we actually can't grow alone. We actually want to grow with other industry players. So we want other exchanges to grow. We want other uh, data uh, data providers to grow, uh, information providers to grow, because um, there's like a hundred, well, two hundred different countries in the world, and um, a lot of different uh, geog geographies, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different banking channels, fiat channels, etc. Um, there's only so much we can do ourselves, even though we're the biggest, we're one of the biggest players in the market, but uh, we need to grow the industry bigger. We need other people to grow it with us. So I think right now, if you look at the industry, probably only one in one, one in 1,000 people have crypto. So there's at least a thousand times to grow. Um, but, and even that is not a very good measurement. Um, I think if you, like, if you judge the potential market share of, uh, of taxi or the, 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 the market size of taxis for Uber, that's not the potential market size um, they're going to expand that market so i think crypto uh, in crypto we're looking at the same same thing uh, crypto will be able to service new business types new opportunities that the traditional fiat world does not uh does not touch or can cannot service so i think basically uh, in my mind the trick is really just to grow the industry so it's not so much hey let's give them more uh, we will definitely want to uh, want them to hire more and grow the team a bit more i think the team is a bit too small um and uh but other than that, um, uh, I think we're just going to continue to uh, build innovative products and provide services that other people want to use. And uh, hopefully the industry will grow. And I'm pretty confident the industry will grow. Yeah, well, obviously I'm there with you on that. Uh, yeah. One of the most asked questions I got when I asked people for uh, uh, questions to ask you 
Um, and obviously you don't have to answer this if you don't want, but uh, people want to know how was uh, the acquisition paid for? Was it cash, stock, or BNB? And I said, look, I'll ask him, but I don't think he's going to answer that one. <laughs> so it's not that I don't want to answer. That part is covered by the NDA, so I actually can't answer it. Um, but it's a, it's a fairly straightforward deal. So it's no, there's nothing too complicated about it. And, uh, uh, and to be honest, I, for us, it doesn't matter what the method is. Um, so if it's BNB uh, cash, it's the same thing. Uh, if it's cash, if it's cash, BNB is cash or BTC is cash to us. Uh, when people say cash, they probably mean US dollars. That's fine. We will come. If we need that, we can just we can just sell BTC or sell BNB and convert to cash. To us, it's the same thing. To be honest. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, but it's a, it's a it's a very straightforward deal. It's, there's nothing complicated about it. It, it, one of the things that I think you you said early on that um, I, I remember saying, hey, I like that guy, is you said, look, I got no more fiat left, right? I, I spent it all and, and got all crypto. <laughs> yes. So, but look, if we have to spend fiat, then we just sell some crypto, and uh, but we don't hold fiat. So whatever fiat we want, we need to spend, we just sell crypto and we spend it, and and, and we and then we have no fiat left again. So uh, yeah. that's kind of how we operate. Got it. One of the things that I think you've done uh, very differently than especially exchanges in the United States, et cetera, is uh, you've made some pretty big bets on non-U.S. countries. Uh, so obviously India is a big one, a couple of others. What are you seeing in the non-U.S. countries right now, uh, given the global instability? Are you seeing kind of a, a ton of interest into crypto? Or are you seeing expansion there? Maybe just highlight some of that. Sure. I think um, every country is very different. Um, uh, U.S. is definitely one of the most developed economies, and it's a very strong economy. Uh, so there's a lot of money flowing around uh, trading, institutional trading. It's very established. Um, and then uh, uh, th there's a lot of money to be made in those markets. So the markets are bigger. So uh, the U.S. accounts for, like, I don't know, the worst, uh, uh, overall the worst 20%, uh, 20 plus percent GDP uh, with only 4% of the population. So per, per capita, if you reach one user, then the, user per, the value per user is much higher. Uh, for any business. So even like social media, uh, trading platforms, et cetera. So a lot of guys are focused on those type of markets. Um, China is a very different one. China, China is getting, uh, the people is getting relatively rich. There's a lot of rich guys. There's a lot of guys with uh, discretionary spending power and online businesses, mobile businesses, internet businesses are very developed. So that's uh, another very interesting market. Um, if you look at uh, big countries, the regulations tends to, tends to be very expensive. So you got to have like a team of lawyers apply for different licenses, deal with uh, a lot of different regulators, et cetera. Um, and also because the traditional financial economy is very established, there's actually more uh, incumbent players to uh, that blocks the growth of crypto. So whereas in countries like, say, for example, if you look at Africa or even India, um, the traditional uh, financial services are not super established. There's actually more opportunity for you to grow. And India is like the second most populous country in terms of heck, uh, people uh, uh, in the world. And it's got 1.3 billion people. Um, and uh, that's, uh, there's a lot of opportunity there. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty in terms of the regulations. And very luckily, we, we placed a bet before that, uh, before it was clear. And um, the results turned out to be favorable. Uh, but when we placed the bet, it wasn't betting on the outcome of the regulatory changes. It was like, that was, that was a really good team. Uh, Michelle leads a really good team. Uh, they have a good product. They understand the local market. And we, and we ask ourselves, right? So are we, uh, am I going to be able to go to India, lead a build a team there and compete there? Um, going to be pretty difficult for me. Um, I, think, uh, uh, I think I do have the uh, senses to realize where uh, the shortcomings uh, uh, for myself or our current teams are. Um, I understand the different culture norms, uh, different business cultures, uh, different psychologic psychologies in different markets, and different uh, just different just every market is very different. So um, in, in markets where we feel comfortable operating, then we we go in and operate ourselves. Where in markets where we 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 we're lucky enough to meet a lo strong local team, then we we work with the local team. And um, also, if you look at for example, a different market, Africa, right? It's got 1.2 billion people for the whole continent. Uh, is divided into a lot of different countries, but um, uh, there the uh, people are still people are still getting used to like smartphones, and uh, um, only ten, only eleven percent of the population have bank accounts, so they can actually just skip bank account, uh, bank accounts. We don't need to bank them, so we we no longer need to bank their own bank. We can just give them a cell phone and an app. Um, so uh, th there's a lot of different opportunities there. So I think. A lot of people focus on U.S. and we are now too. So we are, we have a partner there, Cassandra Cody. I'm sure you have spoken to her. Um, and um, 
So uh, U.S. Is, is a very important economy, but um, it's one of the countries in the world. Uh, so we, we, I think crypto's value is really when you connect different countries in the world, that's where the value really, really shines. So that's kind of our approach and philosophy. Yeah. Are there any countries uh, that maybe people aren't thinking about that you're like, look, I'm really excited. Obviously, India is a big one um, and you've kind of uh, you know, made some moves there. But are there other countries that, that uh, you want to kind of highlight that you think people should be paying attention to? Um, I think almost every country is quite interesting, to be honest. Um, uh, uh, India is definitely one of them. A, a, a number of countries, South Africa, Nigeria, Uganda, um, those are really interesting as well. Because in those countries, the internet is getting there. Um, people, people do have, uh, uh, people, the number of people having smartphones is really increasing. And um, um, what other countries? There are some, like, there are some really interesting countries as well. Vietnam is really active. Turkey is really active in terms of cryptocurrencies. So we're, we're fairly active there. Um, so uh, well, our user base is fairly active there. Um, there's a lot of different countries in the world. That's, uh, so, um, and so, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we try to build a platform that's really neutral uh, towards uh, that's kind of uh, geography um, uh, independent. And um, it's much easier to do with just crypto to crypto. Uh, it's a lot harder when you want to touch fiat. But unfortunately today, most of the money is still in fiat. So we, we still got to go country by country to bring them in. Yeah, it, it almost feels like there's uh, the two parallel worlds being built. And I, I think about it, if you take the totality of that, it's like what percentage of the total uh, economic activity or financial activity, whatever, is in crypto. I don't 1% might be uh, hyper aggressive, right? Like it's very, very small uh, percent. And as the crypto industry grows, that will become a bigger and bigger percent. And that to me is like one of the biggest metrics of measuring progress is just yeah. if you can get to 5% is crypto, 10%, 20%, that's where I think we'll really, really start to see um, some material uh, impact on the world. Yeah. I'm guessing uh, my numbers tell me that we're, we're at about 0.1%. So like <laughs> really just one in 1,000. So um, on the positive, so uh, on the negative side, it's really tiny. So we're, we're basically working in a very tiny market right now. Um, positive, positive side is like the growth potential is really high. So we just got to make sure that, uh, I, and I think the growth will come. Um, and I think the growth will be sped, uh, will be speed, uh, sped up by this um, uh, right now, all the turmoil in the current economic environments. So I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident about it. I think we're, we are in the right industry. We are the early. We are the super early adopters right now, and uh, we just got to, once we grow to 10, 1%, I think we'll see 10x, and of course, 10%, we'll see 100x. Yeah, for sure. Um, U.S., you guys uh, partnered and, and brought Binance U.S. Uh, with Catherine um, to uh, what many people, I think, thinks is one of the most important uh, geographies in the world for this. Uh, what's going on there, and, um, and how do you feel it's going? Yeah, I think U.S. is going quite well. Um, U.S., I think with uh, overall the teams, uh, I, my understanding is the Binance U.S. team is taking a very careful and um, uh, a solid approach. So they're, 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 they're progressing in very careful um, manners because uh, they are spending a lot of time on re regulatory compliance, uh, getting licenses, et cetera. Uh, so hopefully we, uh, they will be able to, bring, uh, to turn on additional states very soon. Um, and um, at the same time, with the states that they're, they're capable of serving right now, they're, uh, uh, they're, they're copying over more and more features from Binance.com, uh, from the technology pro uh, platform products perspective. So staking, uh, more selection of coins. Um, they have a very rigorous selection process for listing coins, but I think they do have a larger selection than uh, uh, the other players in, uh, in the U.S., um, and uh, the trading fees are much lower. The trading fees is about a third of what other platforms charge. Uh, most re the retail guys, the retail guys may or may not care too much about it, but slowly we're seeing we're seeing the shift over. Um, and um, th yeah, I think that, uh, they're just going very steady. Uh, uh, so I think and the mar their market share is actually slowly increasing. Most people may or may not understand that, or may or may not notice just yet. Um, but uh, I think overall things are going really, uh, I, I'm very pleased with the progress uh, Binance US is, uh, is seeing. So um, I think just give it time. Um, the other players have been in the market for like, I don't know, eight, nine years. Um, so th th they are very uh, entrenched. And the, other, uh, the competition is high. Um, the other platforms are very high quality uh, and they, uh, they're, they're very credible platforms. So um, I think that's, uh, that's good uh, because then they, they also help grow the industry. So I think uh, Binance US overall, though, I'm pretty happy with the progress. 
Yeah, it's one of these interesting things where the U.S. specifically, you have to have the regulatory bent, right? You almost have to go slow to, to get the approvals. There's other countries, obviously, where you don't need to do that. Um, yeah. And so it kind of adds some uh, some challenges there. Uh, one of the things that you recently announced is this uh, mining pool. Uh, maybe talk a little bit about, uh, you know, what exactly you guys are going to build and, uh, and kind of what the logic is there. Sure. Um, I mean, uh, to be honest, it, it was the um, um, it was like one of the team members said, oh, "Look, we should build a mining pool, and this is how to do it." Um, I said, "Well, that sounds that that that, that, that makes sense." Um, so, do, do you know how to do? You want to do it? He's, well, she says yes. Again, it's a girl, um, and um, uh, and then she just went went ahead and and, and doing. It. And in my head, original originally, I thought it was just going to be a BTC mining pool. Um, but she's also doing POS for EOS. Uh, so now we're kind of uh, having the EOS nodes, uh, swiping votes, uh, uh, exchanging votes. Like you gotta do like, I didn't know this before. You gotta exchange like 21 different votes uh, with like different parties and all this stuff going on, like just horse trading and stuff like that. So, um, but at the end of the day, um, the goal is to build a both a POW like for Bitcoin and also POS for most other uh, coins, um, mining pool, um, and also be able to support other non-mining but staking pools, uh, staking coins as well. So, um, and so all of this are sort of an interest, interest generating or income generating products for our users. So you can, um, for Bitcoin, uh, the miners will put their mining power into, into a pool and uh, will do that and, and they'll get coins. Um, for staking coins, uh, you, stake number, you, stake your, you lock your number of coins and then you get an interest rate or reward. Um, also, this is from a user perspective. This is very similar to the loan product we have, uh, the, the lending product we have. So you, you lend your product for the margin traders, you get an interest. Um, for the for the users, it's the same thing. And then um, we all, we're also rolling out the loan business. So all of that ties into what I call Bin the Binance Finance product suite. So uh, all of the financial products in our platform. So that that's all tying together. So. Um, they're building it. Uh, I think they're gonna. The mining pool is gonna be launched soon, uh, from what I hear. Uh, but again, it's a fairly independent team. Uh, they're, uh, they're running with it. The, the 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 team, the couple, the team leader, and a couple of the senior guys on the team comes to me once in a while for like I don't know different budget requests, uh, some some decisions. I just I, I, I usually flip a coin. <laughs> just like go for it. <laughs> I, this, I mean, this is the magic of Binance, right? It is the fact that you just find really talented, smart, ambitious people, put them together, and they come up with these ideas, and you basically are given the, the green light, and they go and they build it and use the resources and, and kind of distribution you have. And next thing you know, you, you probably will end up building one of the largest mining pools, right? Um, hopefully, yeah. I mean, it's not launched yet, but uh, typically, we do have the network effect where um, people who, people, I think, number one, we have the brand, we have the number of users, and uh, a lot of big miners are already trading on us. Uh, they mine and then they move the coins to Binance, and this, they, they either sell to B, uh, USDT or BUSD. Um, so they're, they're already trading with us. So I think the network effect is there. Um, and having, and also uh, giving the network effect, all, all of the services we provide, we can, we can provide at the lowest fees. So if you look at the market, uh, we always, our fees are usually typically the, the lowest, sometimes by a factor of two or three X. So, um, um, and uh, it's going to be the same model for mining pool. The, the fees will be very low. The fees that we charge will be very low. Um, so then the, the users get most, most of the rewards that they, they're supposed to get. So um, I think, yeah, I, I do hope that you uh, will become one of the uh, sort of major players in, in the space. Yeah, that's a really kind of important strategic decision. Maybe elaborate on that a little bit, right? It's almost like kind of the Amazon approach of, hey, let's deliver as much back to the user or customer as possible, uh, and then they'll stay with us for a long period of time. Obviously, a lot of your competitors are charging higher fees and, and uh, kind of extracting more value. Why did you choose to go with the low fee model? Um, and, and then kind of how has that uh, thought process changed over time? Sure, I think um, uh, there's, there's a number of factors. There's the mentality factor of the different founders. Uh, uh, how, how much do they believe in, in this industry, whether they're short-term or long-term? Um, and then there's the uh, skill that we already have or uh, people already have. So to be honest, when we first start, uh, the goal is just to survive, right? So um, just to get to cash flow break even and be able to survive. And uh, potentially, if we're not there quite yet, then we may even want to raise some money from some uh, investors that they, they, uh, they take a little bit of the risk and then also get, gets rewarded later on. So um, um, initially, it's, it's that kind of thought process. And once you're over that hurdle, it's like, well, now the mentality really comes into play. 
um, it's quite, to be honest, once you have a, a, a like a reasonable exchange running, uh, you have like decent uh, number of users, et cetera, it's not that hard to make some money. Um, I mean, uh, uh, you will be able to make some money. Um, but then as most platforms or most uh, businesses, the more you charge, the, the, the slower you grow. And the, uh, the more you charge, you may even, you may even like actually have a short-term business. Um, the uncertainty in this, uh, in this industry also causes people to be more short, short, short-sighted. Um, for example, if you establish an exchange in a country and the regulations change every three months, um, then you are kind of forced to be more short-sighted and just sort of, look, let's, let, let's make as much money as we can um, as quickly as possible. And then um, when things change, we just pack up and, and leave and we would have made our money or at least recovered our investments. Um, but I think um, I've always, I've been in the, in, the, in the industry for a long time, even before Binance. So I have a, I have a much longer term play. Um, I believe crypto will be, the, will be the super future. Like if you look at 10, 20, 50 years, 100 years from now, um, so I have a much longer vision on this. And luckily, we got over the bump for the sort of uh, survival mode uh, very quickly, like within a few months. And it was also within those first few months, like even with the first quarter after we launched the platform, we seen the, like some of the regulations change in China that impacted us quite severely. But actually afterwards, uh, looking back, it was actually a very positive uh, influence. Um, it actually drove a lot of users to us. But um, uh, at the time, it was like quite tricky. So we we got we gone through the initial sort of phases very quickly, and right now we have a platform that's uh, that has scale, um, and we have we have the brand. And I think we're, I think right now, um, we I have a much longer I have a much longer term uh, sort of play. Um, I, I just want to be able to service users uh, for the next 20, 50, 100 years, uh, hopefully. So um, yeah, so for us, it's really not about making so making all the money right now. So. Businesses very often have to uh, uh, have to uh, decide between short-term profits versus long-term gains. Uh, for us, everything for, for for us everything is long-term. So this is why we are we're still investing in large in large deals uh, in this environment. It's not about the next three months. It's not about the next year. It's about like more than that. So um, and also we're not a publicly listed company, so we don't have this sort of Wall Street analyst calls, etc. We do have a token, but the token is getting more and more decentralized, and the token is doing fine. Um, but so I think, um, um, so I think basically we are uh, we have a just the mentality aspect of this is is really important. Um, so this, for for this reason, we we really want to protect our users. So we view our users much much more than our short term revenue. Uh, so we do make money. Uh, we make money very transparently. People trade and they pay they pay, they pay commission fee. Um, so that's pretty much it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned uh, a public company. Any interest in ever going public, or you're, uh, do you enjoy being a private company with uh, without all of the the short term pressures? Um, yeah. So I don't I, I don't think we're going public anytime soon. Um, we're not preparing for it. We're not prepared for it. Uh, so we're kind of running the company in in a direction that's not really fit for uh, IPO. Um, so a lot, um, a lot of the decisions we make, um, sort of, uh, very fundamentally shape, um, um, shapes of the organization. I don't even use the word company that, that often. So it's kind of hard to IPO that kind of, uh, uh, the IPO, the IPO role doesn't really fit, um, our type of organization, which is totally, which is very decentralized. Um, and, um, I also don't believe in the IPO game. I think that that game is really way old. Um, the system is really broken. Uh, basically, um, the entrepreneurs are no longer number one. The entrepreneurs are no longer making the money. The, they they basically have to yield uh, to VCs very early on uh, to be able to grow a large platform. Because to grow a platform, you do need to have you do need heavy investments. And typically, entrepreneurs have the skills, may or may not have the skills, but they don't have the uh, uh, money. And when the institutional investors come in, when the VCs come in, they want returns. They, they, they like to be honest, very few VCs care about the vision. Uh, most guys who care about the vision will be building stuff themselves. Uh, there's very few that do care about the visions. I don't want to like. I don't want to like offend everybody, um, but um, uh, but most mostly VCs have a uh, have a fund that have a uh, that have a like a, a fixed term, either it's five years or eight years or ten years, and they need to show returns. They need to run. The, they need to raise the next fund, etc. And they naturally want to have pressure to sort of cash out. And then they want to they run the firms to IPO, and then when the firms IPO, uh, the VCs all, uh, the, the the CEOs are typically giving a mandate to get the price to a certain point, and they usually have a deal. Um, and then the the CEOs get a bonus when they get to that point. The VCs cash out at that point, and then the retailers, uh, the retail investors, 
um, get left holding the bag. And hopefully if the company does well in the future, great. But um, there's a lot of risks there. But everybody knows how to play that game. So that, this is why the CEOs gets a lot of money. This is why the VCs um, structure the deals that way. Um, I don't think it's super beneficial. Uh, uh, I think there's a better structure that can be achieved. Um, uh, uh, we have a lot more freedom. We are, we are uh, luckily, we are, we are cash flow positive and we can uh, dictate our own growth um, at the rate we grow. At, we can fund relatively um, new ideas, uh, sometimes some really wild ideas. Some, so we're, we're kind of operating as a startup, but also as, a, as an investment arm. And we have a lot of experiments going on. So we have a lot of freedom to try this kind of stuff, and we have a very united team. So we don't uh, we don't have a board telling us what to do, etc. So um, so I think yeah, I, I don't I don't see any need to to IPO. And also, given the regulatory uncertainty in, in in many jurisdictions, it's still unclear to see how a cryptocurrency exchange is going to IPO. Um, so we prefer to let probably let somebody else do that first, and we we don't we don't need to be the first one there. Yeah, that, that brings up uh, BNB, which I, I think oh, there's a lot of folks, you know, I think Multicoin, you know, a bunch of these people have kind of written these long analysis on the idea that BNB, if you don't go the IPO route, can serve as a way to uh, really drive kind of shareholder value. Um, but in this unique kind of new model, maybe talk a little bit about uh, where BNB is today and then kind of how you see that evolving over time. Sure. I think we structure BNB as very much a utility to, uh, token. So it's, it does not represent security in Binance, in Binance or, or any of the Binance affiliated entities. Uh, it's a freely traded coin that we used to, uh, we used to, uh, we used an ICO back in 2017 to raise some funds to, launch, to bootstrap the platform. And then from there, I think t today it's grown about uh, 130x from uh, in, in the last two years. Uh, at the peak, it's grown about 400x, but you know, that's fluctuations. Um, and uh, this, this common uh, uh, discussion between what's the difference between shares and the token. Uh, so now uh, that's a pretty interesting dynamic. Um, so uh, I think the shares and tokens could be separate, um, but uh, as, especially if you want to, uh, if you can say, look, the tokens are used in, the, in our ecosystem um, for like, let's not use Binance, let's use like say a gaming company, right? So you issue a token, people can use, use it to pay for I don't know, uh, game, um, uh, virtual merchandise, like weapons and stuff like that. So then they can use that in the game. Um, and then you have the company shares that you can sort of, uh, the company shares are worth however much. Uh, you can look at the in income, profits, et cetera, of the company and determine the price of that. Um, whereas we have chosen not to, or at least for now, we're not to sort of uh, monetize the shares aspects of finance. So the, um, um, and uh, right now, so, uh, we don't, we don't see a need for it right now. And a lot of companies stay private. Uh, even like if you look at Bloomberg, Bloomberg's company is still private. Uh, it's a valuable company, uh, but Bloomberg makes money from profits. So he, he didn't really sell a lot of shares to make money. So um, I think right now our focus really just, and I think right now, if we say we launch, we issue like Binance shares and raise a lot of money and continue to do that, um, you actually dilute some of the value uh, in the BNB ecosystem. So we actually just want to say, look, um, uh, we, we will continue to push BNB uh, to be used in more echoes in our ecosystem uh, and also in our e partners ecosystems. And that's what we're going to be focused on. And uh, we're not going to, uh, so I'm, uh, at least right now, I'm not really thinking about monetizing the shares at all. Actually, I would, ha I have an I have an idea which I don't talk to people often about. I eventually want to make Binance a real DAO. Um, like a real decentralized autonomous operation. And uh, if we do that, then we, one of, the consider one of the things we will have to do is we will likely have to forego the valuable shares. So, so uh, okay, yeah. so you got to explain you got to explain this a little bit because this is, I think, kind of the extreme end of the non-IPO path, which is you yeah. essentially decentralize the entire thing, and you uh, being the founder, uh, it's a big financial decision because you basically would say the equity in what I've built is going to uh, be worth zero. You're not going to have the payday from the equity. And you now have this DAO, uh, but if you have the cash flow, there's obviously value there. Maybe talk through exactly like what would that world look like, and then uh, what would that mean for you and the rest of the team? Uh, sure, I actually don't know what that world would look like. To be honest, we're kind of this is new territory, right? So we, we're, we're kind of exper experimenting ourselves, and um, so we're kind of on our virgin territory. We, we, we just landed on this land, and we're still exploring. We we can see there's a forest, but we don't know what's in the forest. Uh, we can see there's a hill. We don't know what's behind it kind of thing. 
So in my mind, we're kind of in that territory in terms of our organizational structure, uh, et cetera. Uh, we do have uh, team members who have ESOPs. Uh, we, do have, we still do have a couple external shareholders. Um, and, uh, so, uh, and so um, this aspect is, uh, it, is a, uh, it is an interesting topic to sort of explore and discuss. Um, but I do think a company who has very, well, a, I wouldn't say, yeah, I would say an organization who have very strong cash flow uh, are able to take care of their uh, employees, shareholders, et cetera. So um, um, there are the, the different ways to monetize. And this, this is why it ties to into the long-term play uh, that, that, that we have. I mean, you can sell your shares and well, basically the shares encompass future value, right? So uh, the, the, the value of the shares of a company uh, encompass how much money it can be made later on. Uh, whereas if you just uh, do a dividend or profit split uh, to, to, uh, to people, then it's just how much money we've earned so far. Uh, but, if you, but if you take a longer version, say, look, um, uh, the, the, uh, uh, it, uh, there, there are many companies who, who, does not, who does not go IPO. There are many founders who, who, who like t- again, taking Bloomberg, for example, like I'm, the guy's really rich and he has, he, I think he still owns 70% of the shares of the company and they never really sold any, anything else. Uh, Merrill Lynch was one of the investors, probably still is. Uh, well, they probably changed hands uh, because Merrill may have, may have, may have had uh, its own financial issues. Um, but uh, um, so in that in that aspect, I think there's uh, uh, I think as, as long as you get investors and you get team members who are, e- who are into the same vision, who are, who are here for the long term play, then that's less of a problem. Uh, we actually looked at a new idea that which I think we invented actually. Um, so uh, I, I named it, uh, um, and so I named it, and then our, our team kind of is still polishing it. What we call ETOP. So instead of employee stock option, uh, we call it employee token options. Uh, we actually don't like the word employee. We call them team members, but that'll be TTOP. It's kind of uh, uh, cheesy. Um, but overall, though, uh, we want to say, look, of our of our profits, we can distribute some to uh, in, in tokens to our team members. And the tokens are, uh, are interesting because the tokens value fluctuates with how well the ecosystem is doing. And um, um, uh, and if uh, and then this way the team members are incentivized to sort of grow the ecosystem, not just the corporate value, not just the uh, not the, not just the enterprise value, but more of the sort of ecosystem value. And I think that that's much that's actually more aligned with uh, what we want to achieve right now. We want to build build out the ecosystem. We want to decentralize uh, sort of the uh, the the enterprise aspect of it. Even though right now uh, I think Binance.com, especially the trading platforms, do uh, is a large revenue generator. Um, but things could change. Like we have a DEX, uh, it's not super big right now. But if look, uh, things could change in three years, five years. Um, so um, we're 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 we are experimenting with that, and um, I think it's super fascinating. And um, but if you if you ask me, like, look, what's the blueprint? Is it hundred percent going to go this way? Uh, I don't really know to be honest, because uh, it's all virgin territory. We're, we're experimenting, and we may make some mistakes, and we have to readjust. Um, but we're we are exploring with the team together. So. Um, um, and I think whatever we uh, whatever we find out that works, we will be very happy to share with the community, and hopefully other organizations will be able to follow. Binance yeah. is unique. Yeah, Binance is unique in this way. We actually started a more centralized organization. We're kind of pushing this way, whereas other like projects like Ethereum, they they did start much more decentralized. So it's, it's a bit different. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's really interesting because basically what you're talking about, like what is equity, right? Equity is a claim on cash flow, it's a claim on a company's assets, uh, and then obviously uh, kind of an option on future profits, et cetera. Uh, really what you're talking about here is like a lot of that is more speculative in nature because you're you're looking into the future, but if you've actually built a business that works, that has cash flow, et cetera, what now you say to people is, well, if you're a quote unquote investor or hold, you know, equity holder, if you will, really what you're just doing is you're getting a percent of profits, right? And if that's paid out, you know, it, it changes the dynamic. Um, and then obviously if you're an employee, would you rather have something that uh, represents, you know, potential future performance, or would you rather have a percent of profits today? I think most employees actually would probably want, you know, percent of profits today. Uh, it's better short term and two, it, it's much more tangible in, in many cases. Yeah, I think that the, the, and also there's a very subtle difference between profits of a traditional organization and profits of a crypto organization. Mm-hmm. Um, so in crypto, even if our profits are in BNB today, we, let's say we distribute BNB to some of our team members or, or BTC, um, there's an implied growth value of that profit even afterwards. So it's, mm-hmm. uh, so it's not like, okay, no, I, I received $100 and that's it. Um, the, the dollar will only devalue. 
So there's uh, even after they receive the profits, uh, because it's given mostly in tokens, and actually a large number do hold it, and they don't really sell. Um, they are aligned uh, uh, with a with sort of overall ecosystem growth, not just the company growth. So they are aligned to sort of like let, uh, let's let's get the bra a brave browser deal. Uh, let's uh, let's get more partnerships. Let's do all this other stuff to grow the ecosystem, which actually works really really well for us. Which is totally aligned with what uh, I think we should be doing. Yeah, I love it. Um, one of the other questions uh, that a lot of people have was around security tokens, which I think is related here. Um, kind of what are you seeing in the security token world? And is that something that Binance would ever uh, kind of dip their toe into? Uh, sure. I think there's a lot of um, potential in the security tokens world. But I, uh, but honestly, though, um, I think most of the implementations today are too restrictive. Mm -hmm. So most of the implementations today is just taking the piece of paper that, was, that used to represent a security and put it on the blockchain. And on the blockchain, I've seen a lot of implementations where on the smart, the smart contract has a wide list of addresses that you can send uh, people to. That kind of defeats the purpose of blockchainizing it. Um, it doesn't have the freedom that you can send it to anybody anywhere in the world, etc. cetera. Um, so, um, uh, and to be honest, I don't see that we have so much issues with that piece of paper. Very few people are uh, forging it. Um, there's very easy ways to, uh, to, to, to sort of verify that piece of paper actually represents uh, shares in a company. So I think most of the uh, most of the implementations I've seen so far are relatively rudimentary, and they don't solve the fundamental problem of actually having a security token on the blockchain, freely traded around the world, anybody can participate, that kind of stuff. Um, that would require, I think, a lot of regulatory changes. Um, so it's not just the I think the technology is there for sure, uh, but the regulatory hurdles uh, in different countries are um, are not solved. Um, I actually think on. Uh, I actually am guessing on this front, um, again, I could be wrong uh, because this is kind of uh, guessing into the future. I think the countries who are less developed in the security space will actually be easier to change. Because like, if you take a country like uh, United States, they have so many securities laws. Um, changing all of them is just a big, like it's a big train that's already moving in one direction. Uh, it's going to be difficult to change that in a different direction. Um, whereas in um, countries where the, uh, the securities market is not super developed, they may want to jumpstart their like sort of securities markets. And what we have seen is actually many countries want to securitize their real estate. They want to securitize their uh, companies so that they can raise money internationally. So for, for countries that, that's less uh, developed, that's, that they actually want the money to, 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 to go to their country. And they don't want whitelist in smart contracts. They don't want like all of these restrictions. So I think um, things are going to play different, play out differently. I think the market size is huge. Uh, like we, we can all see that. How much of that size is going to convert right, right into crypto? I think we'll have to see. Um, our position is basically: look, uh, we we keep we do monitor the, the space. We are interested in it. Um, there's already a few uh, early uh, players who are sort of plowing the way, pushing it, um, and we'll just see how they do. And if they do well, we can partner with them. We can work with them. We can launch something our own. Um, to some extent, we can copy them uh, and we can, we can innovate. Um, so all, the, all those options are open. And, um, uh, but uh, for the STO specifically, Binance strength is not in, in, in dealing with regulators. So we don't have, we, we, like I don't have a lawyer background. We don't have teams of lawyers chasing different regulators, et cetera. I think there are people who, are, uh, who have those backgrounds who are much more fitted into chasing those type of businesses. Uh, hopefully those guys will make some leeway and then, um, um, in, if they do, then we have a technology platform. If they want to partner with us, we're, we're more than happy to partner. Uh, we have Binance Cloud. We, have, uh, we, we, can, we can deploy a separate exchange. Um, so we, we typically is a technology provider in this aspect. Yeah, I love it. Makes a lot of sense. Uh, last question for you. Uh, somebody asked, what is the biggest misconception that people have of you? Like, what's the one thing that maybe people think about CZ and, uh, and you would say they're either wrong or, or, or don't have... Uh, kind of the truth on. That was a great sure. question. <laughs> sure, it's a, it's a very simple one actually. A lot of people think I control the cryptocurrency price. <laughs> 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 it's like, I really wish that was true. I mean, like, if that was true, things would be so much easier. Like Bitcoin would be going straight up. And then, uh, so I think that, uh, so I think one of the biggest misconceptions is like, hey, CZ pump it. I'm like, what, what do you expect me to do? I don't, ha I don't have fiat. I don't like, I don't trade. So, um, so that's a, I think, uh, uh, I think fundamentally there's a lot of misconception that thinking the biggest changes control price. Um, we don't, uh, we don't trade. I, like, I can't tell you which way the price is going to go. Um, if I could, the price will be way higher right now. 
Um, so I actually, yeah, I'm always bullish. I always think the price is too low. Um, and for our business, the price is much better, is much better for the price to be higher. So I think that's definitely one of the misconceptions people have. And um, I'm a, personally, I'm a very poor trader. I tried this like 10 years, uh, like a, a decade ago and it didn't work too well. I learned that very early on. So I'm a technology builder and uh, we provide platforms to, to, for people to access liquidity. Uh, so I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that people have. Uh, they think that we actually influence price. We don't. Uh, I really wish we could, but we don't. <laughs> I can speak for you in that if CZ controlled price, Bitcoin would be at hundreds of thousands of dollars for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, listen, I appreciate you taking the time to do this. Um, you know, I think that a lot of people are obviously paying attention to what uh, you guys are building and, and you're really pushing the pace of innovation. So uh, keep it up and um, we'll have to do this again in the future. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, uh, thanks for thanks for all the things that you do in the industry. Um, yeah. I mean, we, 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 kind of, we talk to each other on Twitter all the time. But I really appreciate what you're doing as well, which is like this, uh, distributing high quality information and always pushing the industry forward. So yeah, I appreciate it. And uh, I'm sure we'll talk again soon. Hey everyone, Pop here. If you like this episode of Off The Chain and want to help us take crypto to the top of the Apple, Spotify, and other podcast charts, please do us a favor and rate, review, and subscribe. To review, Simply go to the Off The Chain homepage, scroll down until you see the five blank stars. Taking 15 seconds to fill those stars in and leave a quick review goes a long way in helping us take the entire crypto ecosystem to the top of the charts. I appreciate you listening and see you next time on Off The Chain.